verse from John 19, in verses 26 and 27. We read that a moment ago, but let's read that once again. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the bond between children and their parents is very strong. Mothers, especially, feel a very strong bond. That's quite understandable. After all, her child is her own flesh and blood. Her child's life began its life within her womb. And once the child is born, she nourishes him or her with her own body and cares for his very needs. And when a child grows up, that bond between mother and child is, is very strong. It remains that way. That was the case, certainly, with Mary and Jesus Christ. She felt a great bond with her eldest son. And it will have been extremely difficult for her, as you can imagine, to see her son hanging there on the cross during his dying hours. Mary's relationship with her son had not been easy. That wasn't his fault. The Lord Jesus was without sin. But the Lord Jesus came into a world full of sin. Mary also was a sinful woman. That means that Mary also lacked understanding. She can only look at things from her own limited perspective. She didn't have a divine perspective like her son did. So she must have misunderstood many things. And that's what makes relationships so difficult. All relationships, our relationships as well. But I'm sure you can identify with that. We all break down. We all experience the breakdown of communication. We all have difficulties in our relationships. And that causes turmoil. It causes confusion. Although most children have a strong bond with their parents and vice versa and with other close members of the family, at times relationships become very tense and even broken. Some families experience greater difficulty than others, but no one is exempt. That's the way it is with all relationships. Relationships are fraught with difficulty. Relationships Earthly relationships are also temporary. Children move away from home. People die. When people die, the relationship is totally broken. Now, wouldn't you like it if there would be somebody who could fix something like that? That there would be somebody who would make everything right between you and your parents and your siblings and your brothers and sisters in the Lord and all the others that you have relationships with. And not only that, some 
with your loved ones who died in the Lord. Wouldn't that be wonderful? No, of course, but there was somebody who could do that. And you know who he is? The Lord Jesus Christ. But we have a hard time grasping that. How does the Lord Jesus do that? Jesus' mother, Mary, cannot understand that at this point either. How can you think what's happening right now? He is about to die. The relationship that she has with her son here on this earth is about to be totally broken. What in the world can anybody do about that? But the Lord Jesus can, and he will. But Mary has to understand what he is doing. He has to teach her. And so he has to teach you and me as well. When Christ utters his third word on the cross, he addresses his mother. He is worried about her. He is worried not only about her physical and material well-being, but especially about her spiritual well-being. He is worried about their relationship. He wants everything to be well between her and him and between God and her. He wants all the obstacles that hinder his relationship with his mother and all the obstacles that hinder all relationships to be totally removed. That's what I want to preach to you about this Good Friday message. Good Friday is a really good Friday. The theme for this sermon is as follows. The Lord Jesus Christ restores the relationship on the cross. And we will first look at the son's relationship with his mother. And secondly, the Savior's relationship with his father. The mother of the Lord Jesus Christ stands beside the cross of her son, which is dying hour. Mary knew before his birth that her son to be born was a special gift from God. The angel had announced the birth, and because of his birth, she was called blessed among women. Mary said that about herself as well in what is known as the Song of Mary, from as we sang a moment ago when we sing from hymns 17. Mary wrote in Luke 1, verse 48 and 49, From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. She says that in Luke 1, verse 48 and 49. Why was she called blessed? Because with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see the fulfillment that the Lord God made at the time that man fell into sin in paradise. At that time, he said that there would be two seeds on the earth. There would be the seed of the serpent, Satan, and there would be the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman would defeat the seed of the serpent. That was the promise made in Genesis 3, verse 15. And now with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that promise is about to be fulfilled. For the Lord Jesus Christ is about to defeat Satan and all that belongs to him. Before the birth of Christ, the mother had to be. Thousands of years earlier, the first woman, 
Eve, the first woman who was called the mother of all living, was the bearer of those two seeds. From her womb sprang forth Cain and Abel. Cain gave his soul to the devil, whereas Abel gave his soul to God. Abel wanted to serve God. And that is when the struggle between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent began in earnest. There was great enmity between those two brothers. Cain killed Abel. But then the Lord God gives Eve another son, Seth. Many other children are born. But in the end, they all follow the evil ways of Cain. Through the line of Seth, Noah is also born. He and his family are the only ones left of the seed of the woman. And so God destroys Satan's seed through the flood. Only Noah and his family are left on earth. It doesn't take long, however, for Satan's seed once again to gain dominance on the earth. The vast majority of men once again not want to serve him. For that reason, in order to continue the seed of the woman, God chooses Abraham. And through him, he chooses his people Israel. But throughout the history of God's people Israel, we see the continuation of the great struggle between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And then finally, finally, the Christ is born. When Mary gave birth to that long-awaited Savior, he was born so that he could put an end to the seed of Satan. Christ was born so that he could crush the head of the serpent, so that he could bring peace on earth. No wonder she was called fast. But didn't Mary understand all of that as she stood there at the cross? Did she understand how he would be a blessing and how he would restore relationships with God and with each other? No, at that time, she didn't. Nor did anyone else, including his disciples. Not yet. There were a lot of things Mary and his disciples still had to learn. And that is what also added to her suffering. It kept her from having a full and rewarding relationship with him. Step by step and little by little, she had to begin to understand. She had to begin to learn these things also as her son Jesus was growing up. She did, she did know that her son was not just an ordinary child. There was still everything before he was born. Many wonderful things were predicted about him, but often she stood perplexed. Think about the time when the Lord Jesus was still a boy, when his parents took him to the temple in Jerusalem. Did you read about that in Luke 2? His parents did not quite understand why he had to be busy with his father's things, and so they rebuke him for staying behind in the temple. Lord Jesus, however, obediently submits himself to their parental authority. He knew that there would be a time when they would understand what he was doing there in the temple and why. Why not take that time? And now as Christ sees his mother standing there at the cross, he knows that she still does not fully understand what is happening. Once again, she is perplexed. And therefore, the Lord Jesus is full of compassion for her. He wants to comfort her. He wants her to understand that this is not the end of him as he hangs there dying on the cross. It's not the end of our relationship. 
On the contrary, he came to restore her relationship with her father in heaven and therefore also with her. He wanted to know that within three days he would be raised from the dead and that then he would ascend into heaven. He wants to tell her that it's not death, but that is the only way that she can be saved. But if you told her, do you think this would register at this point? No. For Christ told his disciples and all those who would hear that this had to take place. And he knew, however, that they first had to experience those events before they would understand Man typically does not believe until he sees. Our vision is so limited. Man's vision is clouded. And that is because his own words and actions often do not agree. Man will say one thing and then do another or make claims that he can't make. And so how do the people know that what you say is really going to happen? Especially when you say something that's quite out of the ordinary something which normally doesn't happen. And you really have to see before you believe. Christ, however, is different from you and me. Radically different. Christ never made a promise that he did not keep. He never told them a story that wasn't true. For example, he had given them the sign of Jonah. He told them that for three days he would be in the bowels of the earth. He also told them that he would rise again and that he would live forever, for death cannot claim him. Only later on did they see that that was the truth. Mary and those standing around the cross of Christ first had to see and experience these things before they believed. And most importantly, we need God's Holy Spirit in order to be able to understand. God would send his Spirit on Pentecost, but that would not be until later, after his ascension. And so, Christ, as he hangs on the cross, now he remains silent about these things. He knows they'll understand later. But he does say something he does not say here. He says to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to his disciple whom he loved, who is the apostle John, says, here is your mother. Christ is concerned about the welfare of his mother. He is first of all concerned about her physical welfare. Humanly speaking, we might say that Christ had not been a son to his mother as other sons might have been to their mothers. During the last few years, he traveled all over and he subjected himself to all kinds of dangers. His mother must have been very concerned for him. And at times she also wanted to speak to him. She sought him out. But this was not always possible. On one occasion his mother and brothers approached him. But Christ was too much engaged in his kingly work to bother with her. You can read about it in Matthew 12 and 48 and following. Where he was surrounded by a crowd when his mother came to him and his brothers. And Christ makes no apparent attempt to grant them even an audience, nor does he even see the importance of such an occasion. For he addresses the crowds and he says to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mothers and my brothers. 
Well, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And here you see, brothers and sisters, the uniqueness of the Son of Man. Christ was on earth not only to be just an earthly son to his mother. His responsibilities extended way beyond that. He was on earth for the purpose, for the sake of the children of God. Children of God through faith. And everything he did was done with that purpose in mind. And Christ did not deviate from that course. The earthly needs of his mother and his brothers had to wait. But it doesn't mean that Christ ignores the earthly realities of life. That's also evident that he hangs on the cross. He doesn't want his mother to be left desolate. He provides her with someone who can take over for him when he is gone. He gives her the apostle John to be her son. Note well that he did not choose any of Mary's only sons. One of Christ's physical mothers, one of his half-brothers, looked after his mother after his death. I mean, he was alive. Why not to them? That would seem the most natural thing for him to do. But he passes all his natural brothers by. And he chooses John. Why? Well, at this point, the brothers of the Lord Jesus, they can't just believe him. At this moment, Christ's brothers, according to the flesh, are unbelievers. Spiritual birth is more important than natural birth. That is also what the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus who came to death. You have to be born again through the Holy Spirit. And for that reason, he does not choose one of the sons of the flesh, but he chooses the son of the Spirit, John, to look after his mother in her old age. And here you see the consistency and faithfulness of Christ. The Pharisees, they prided themselves on being the sons of Abraham. They thought that it was enough to be his physical descendants. But Christ told them that Abraham is the father only of those who believe. And so Christ, in John 8, dismisses those Pharisees and their claim. He tells them that instead of having Abraham as their father, they have the devil as their father. They are of the spiritual seed of the devil. And ultimately in life, it is only the spiritual that counts. For only the spiritual seed is the true seed of the woman. And all those who are of the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, Satan. It's a good thing we don't have to do that, because we can't. But Christ did, and that is what Good Friday is about. For he is the head of that seed. It all comes down to him. He has to crush the head of the serpent. He has to kill him. And so we see that the seed of the woman also cuts through family ties. And that's something we should never forget. Oh, yes, our physical father and mother and our natural sisters and brothers are dear to us. But in the 
Spirit you will see as truth. Christ taught throughout his ministry to put everything in subordination to the kingdom of heaven. And this is also what he wants you and me to do in obedience to our Heavenly Father. It may happen at times that family ties will either have to be ignored or completely severed. The bond between parents and their children is very strong, but we may never choose a physical bond over that spiritual bond. Of course, that physical bond always remains, and so it should, and we should always be that kind of closeness. But ultimately, the bond is broken, and you have to do everything in order to make that true bond, the bond through the Spirit, strong again. above the spiritual. And then sometimes we excuse the wrong behavior of our children or of our parent or of our brother or sister for fear of breaking that physical bond with them, that closeness with them. However, our children have to be taught to know that the real tie that binds is the tie that God established with Christ as the Father. and sisters in the Lord. And that is a bond that will never be broken. The bonds of the flesh will. For that reason, there are times difficult choices to be made. We choose our physical family or our spiritual family. In the history of the church, there have been many occasions which this had to be done. Think about the various reformations in the church Every time family ties invariably had to be cut. Family ties had to be broken in order to remain faithful to the Lord. For the unity of the faith matters more than the unity of the flesh. That was the one lesson of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the one lesson he teaches us here at the cross. It comes to the second point. And so the Lord Jesus hands over the care for his mother to John the Apostle, his brother in the faith. When he addresses his mother as he hands her over to him, he does not address her as mother. No, he says, dear woman, here is your son. In the original, the Greek, it says, woman, here is your son. That is all, all, the, all the other translations have, it, including the new NIV. Perhaps the 1984 editors of the NIV thought that this sounded too, too disrespectful. For who addresses his mother as woman? Christ, however, does. And he does so for good reason. He has a definite purpose in mind. He wants to show thereby that the relationship between them is about to change. It is going to be much greater. It's going to be much more meaningful. What we see here is the depth of feeling Christ has not only for his mother, but for all those who believe in him. For in calling her woman instead of mother, he severs the physical ties he has with her, and he forges a new tie with her, which lasts into eternity. He forges the spiritual bond that exists between the Savior and those who share in that redemptive act. 
recorded in the scriptures that he called his mother woman. And that was at the beginning of his ministry at the wedding feast at Cana. At that time, Mary had tried to use her influence as mother to the Lord Jesus to do something about the fact that there was no more wine. Then the Lord Jesus said, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. At that time already, the Lord Jesus showed that their relationship was different from any other mother-son relationship. He confronted his mother with the fact that he could no longer mistreat her as his mother. Her position as mother of the Lord was now being replaced by something else. And her position then would take on much greater dimensions. And that is what the Lord Jesus once again confronts her with as he hangs there on the cross by calling her woman instead of mother. He breaks the blood, the bond of blood between Mary and himself. Their relationship is to be radically different from now on. Mary is his mother no more, and he is her son no more. From now on, John is her earthly son. He will look after her. Jesus Christ is much greater than just an earthly son. He is her Lord and Savior. And that has so much more meaning. Of course, he received the flesh through his mother, and that is very important because in this way we can also be related to him. But in this way, he shows the bond that he has with all of mankind. And that, beloved, is the significance of the cross. There on Golgotha is where he bought her with his precious blood. She needed, just like everyone else, to be saved from her sins. She needed her relationship with the Father in heaven to be restored. That's what Christ did for his mother. And that's what he did for all those who believe. He made everything well between him and the Father. And in so doing with all those who believe, he forged an indestructible bond between him and all those who believe. And consequently, also the believers are now brothers and sisters in the Lord. A more wonderful bond no one could ask for because it's a bond that lasts into eternity, brothers and sisters. It is because the Lord Jesus allowed himself to be hung on the cross and shed his blood that your and my sins can be forgiven. By doing what he did, he restored the relationship between God and us. The only way that the door to heaven could be opened. Because of the death of Christ, there are now no obstacles in the way. And it's because of the blood of Christ that now also our relationship can be restored. That is why we are Christians, because Christ forgave us our sins. We can also forgive each other their sins. Husbands and wives can do that. Children and parents. Because they realize the wonderful gift that Christ gave on the cross. We can be in harmony with each other, at peace. There can be that great bond that we may have with one another through faith. The great bond that we experience week in, week out. How thankful we can
beginning, that we belong together, and that we may gather together every first day of the week and during the week, that we may encourage one another, spur one another on, love one another in spite of our sins, and in this way, experience the peace of heaven. Do you realize how wonderful that is, brothers and sisters? Do you also realize that, young people, how blessed it is that you can be a member here in this church, that you can experience that incredible bond, that you can realize the wonderful bond that our God has created, that you, he too reconciled you with the Father. He has made you brothers and sisters in the Lord.